This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon, and I am here with Mims. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I haven't seen you in like a month. I feel like it's been a long time. When we last recorded, we did two back-to-back so that we didn't have to meet, or not like we didn't have to, but like it was over the holidays, so we wanted to just knock it out. And I kind of feel like it was like a, a premonition on our part to get ahead because I couldn't work oh, the last two weeks. That's right. Yeah. Then you got sick and then I got sick and then it was just a whole thing. So I'm glad we did that. Yeah. It worked out it perfectly. Did. It really did. Yeah. But we didn't miss a beat. <laughs> we're still here. You guys didn't know. No. <laughs> that so, we were at home. Yeah. We're professionals. <laughs> we are. Look at us. Um, what do you, do you have anything? Um, the only true, I can't talk. (laughs) The only true crime news I have is there has been sentences given in the trial of the McMichaels and the Roddy Bryan, the people that murdered Ahmaud Aubrey. So they tried to get a deal at the last minute. They said they would plead guilty to federal charges and take the 30-year sentence because they wanted to go to federal prison. Mm. And Ahmaud Aubrey's mom was like, um, no. Good. You can do your time in Georgia. Ooh. I'm sure Georgia prison's beautiful. Right. Comfortable. No. (laughs) And, you know, I feel like with the population, there's going to be certain races in there with... Because this is the the white men, the white policemen, yeah. right? It's the three men, the dad and the son, that were chasing Ahmaud Aubrey while he was running. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. And then so. their neighbor. They were white. They were white, yes. And he was black. And he was black. So they're going to have a great time there. Yes. And it's crazy because I watched the sentencing and they all did get life sentences. The neighbor, the Roddy Bryan guy, he got the possibility of parole after 30 years Mm. because he played a lesser part. But like, and he was visibly upset. He's been visibly upset the whole time. The dad, he was never upset. And it's like, even if you're not upset about your crime or the fact that you're going to prison... Your son just got life without the possibility of parole. You don't even feel bad for your own child. Yeah. I don't think he has any feelings at all. I don't think that... I mean, how do you have feelings when you, like, cold-blooded murder somebody and... But, like, they probably don't feel bad about what they did, so they're probably like, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I I can't... I can't understand it, so... No. The... 
the dad, he seemed to have the least amount of feelings. He had he hasn't showed any emotion the entire proceedings, not even when he was sentenced. Maybe he's one of those like macho men that just like pimps don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <Maybe. laughs> um yeah, well, I'm glad that they got what they deserved and they're going to be sitting in Georgia, so. Yeah, and it was nice because the judge, so they chased him for five minutes in their car, in their truck while he was running. They oh chased my, him for five minutes. Oh, my God. So the judge, before he gave them their sentence, he made them sit in silence for a minute. And then he's like, I just wanted you to realize, like, how long a minute is. Yeah. Because I've been thinking a lot about how long that five minutes was for him. He was, like, running for mm-hmm. his life and it it seems quick, but it really was like yeah an eternity. Yeah, so that was a good judge. Yeah, yeah my God. Yeah, we need more of them. We do. Not like the there's a racist judge in New Orleans. She was using the N word and she like, <gasps> got fired. She got oh. caught on video. And it was in her house, and somebody posted a video somewhere. And she, wow, she lost her job. Yeah, good. My God, I I love those. Those people that are just like, yeah, I'm going to put you on blast now. Yeah. And sometimes I think people do it without even thinking about it because they're so used to being racist. They don't consider oh. that the things they say are going to have this like enormous backlash. Yeah. Then they're stupid beyond belief. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for us? I have... um a Bronx apartment fire that happened on the 9th in the morning. Um, basically multiple space heaters running in a Bronx apartment complex, um, engulfed in a deadly fire, killing about 19, uh, people, including nine children. Oh, and, no. A dad lost his entire family in it, too, including a son who just turned 12, which was really devastating to read. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, so <clears throat> they're planning a vigil for for that, for the people. Um, I think, I don't know, I didn't see when, but it's crazy. I w- what brought that up is that I work for a property management company, and this guy was he like falls asleep while he's cooking a lot and this is like the fourth time that he's done that and he fucking did it again and the fire department got called and like smoke started going into the hallways and shit but like this could have been here yeah Yeah. so people really need to not be so careless because 19 people died Nine mm. children died. Was there not working smoke detectors in the building? Oh, I don't know. I didn't read that. I didn't read that. I'm wondering. Because that's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and you know, sometimes you get trapped in in yeah. it. or may- Well, it was early morning, so maybe a lot of them were sleep. sleeping, yeah. and then they were just, like, stuck after realizing it, which is horrifying. But Yeah, it is. Yep, that's that's what happened. That's really scary. In the Bronx. I have one more thing that's not true crime related, okay. but it's interesting. Yes, <laughs> so I'm interested. Scientists found like a fossilized sea dragon and an egg. What? It's some kind of dinosaur, but they're calling it a sea dragon. And I think you know how these scientists are; like they might try to recreate this. Oh yeah, I want a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, okay. So they're going to recreate it on, like, digitally? Or what are they thinking? I was thinking, like, Jurassic Park. Oh, no. I, I don't, don't think I'd be down for that. I don't know if they're really going there. But I feel like you might as well at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we have some sort of need to bring back dinosaurs. You might as well bring the dragon back. Yeah. I'd prefer the dragon, to be honest. Yeah. I wonder if we could train them. <laughs> like, I know how to train my dragon. <laughs> I've never watched that. It, I've heard it's good, though. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's random, but I keep seeing it on TikTok, so. That's really cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see how that turns out that they recreate that and what it actually kind of like look like because i know they do i mean they've done that with all the dinosaurs so we have like yeah. a concept for what they look like right it'll be interesting mm -hmm. that'd be really cool all right you or me i don't care okay <laughs> i went first the last two times so yeah but i've forever gone first <laughs> okay Okay, I'll go first this time, and you go first next time. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. I am going to tell the story of Mary, who haunts the Elk Lake Dam area. So Mary Schlace, I hope I'm saying that right, was a beautiful, intelligent young woman. She had recently graduated from the University of Minnesota and was soon going to begin her master's program. Mary spoke three languages and loved to travel. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, much of her traveling was done via hitchhiking. Oh, no. Right. Do people still hitchhike? I'm pretty sure. I've seen at least one in my lifetime. Would you ever stop for a hitchhiker? I really don't want to, but I often think to myself, okay, what if it's like an elderly woman or like a mom and a kid, but then... I don't want to die. So <laughs> I'm on a podcast of true crime and it'd be really stupid of me to die from this sort of thing. So I'm going to try to avoid that. What if they were holding a puppy? Oh, man, they, they would know me. That's yep. how they would get me. Yep. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. Because I know for sure if they're holding a puppy, my mom would pick them up. Yeah. I'd be like, does your puppy need a ride? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can go in the back with the puppy in the front. Yeah, I would I would have to have my gun on me and like and like point it at them. Point, point just like sitting like this the entire time. It's like if I even sneeze, we're all going down. <laughs> would you ever hitchhike? I mean, I would have to be in a really bad situation to hitchhike. Yeah. But if it was my own decision, I would not hitchhike. Yeah, not like just like, hey, I want to go to Chicago and I don't feel like driving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lazy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not for me. Well, back in the day, hitchhiking became very popular in America. I guess it started in the 1930s. I always think of it as like such a hippies 60s yeah. thing. But it apparently started in the 30s when people were unable to afford much of anything. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to spend their money on gas. 
<laughs> and they didn't want a chance blowing out a tire that they might not be able to afford to replace or be able to find to replace since it was right after the war. Oh, right. So, like, the supplies were limited and the everything were, was going and for the war And everything was super high and yeah. nobody had any money. Yeah. But these people did not want to be stopped, which I <laughs> I appreciate that. Right. Like, our financial hardships are not going to stop my adventures. No, I'm going to go regardless of anything. And they also said, like, troops returning home. They didn't give them, like, a bus ticket home. They brought them to the base, and then they're just like, Bye. Peace out. And then they had to hitchhike home. That's crazy. That would be horrible. Like, you just served in this horrendous war and experienced everything and then they're like all right and you're off on your own now find your way home yeah you're like in north carolina trying to get back to wisconsin and they're like well you can walk right it's like get your energy up and get going (laughs) right (laughs) what are you complaining for (laughs) that's the american way yeah (laughs) (laughs) so Back to the 70s. Mary was one of these people. She was not letting lack of a car, lack of resources, anything stop her. If she wanted to do stuff, she was doing it. Okay. So she had reportedly traveled all around the United States via hitchhiking. And some people even said that she went to other countries and hitchhiked while she was there. That's bold. She was bold. Yeah. For sure. I should say she still is. Oh, okay. (laughs) She's bold. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get to why I said that. Okay. (laughs) So on February 15th, 1974, Mary had an art show she wanted to attend in Chicago. And just like she had many times before, Mary set off on her adventure. Mary planned on getting to Madison and then hitching another ride from there. And so she made herself a sign and headed outside. She said goodbye to her roommate and left, headed towards I-94. So she's in Minneapolis at this time, going to school. That's where she's leaving from. So three hours later, 90 minutes from home, Mary would be found dead. Mm. A man driving along the road said he witnessed what he thought was two people fighting, and then he saw the man push the other party into the snowbank. The witness had continued driving home, but couldn't let go of the thought that something was wrong, so he got his neighbor and went back to the scene. You know what? That's smart. It is. Like, in... Props to him to not being like, I don't know what I saw. I'm just going to keep going on my way and forget about it. Because a lot of people do that. Yeah, I do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if it's late and I'm tired and it's kind of creepy, I'm like, "Mm." like, "Uh, not my business. Somebody else drive by, right? Right. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. But sometimes... You don't... It's that whole bystander effect of somebody else is going to do it. And you don't want to be, like, wrong if you get yourself involved or, like, you don't want to be that nosy person. So then you just don't act. But it's very common. I don't blame you. But it's not the right thing to do. It's not. So I have a little story, quick, okay. quick story in the middle of my other story. <laughs> so my friend Megan, she was driving a couple weeks ago, and this man was like in the middle of the road. Oh, and she said at first she standing, drove, yeah, okay. So just like walking down the middle oh, of the road, okay. So she said at first she kept driving, but then she noticed he was still like walking in the middle of the road. So she turned around and went back, 
and asked him, like, what was wrong. And he said he wanted to kill himself. Oh, my. He said, leave me alone. I'm trying to kill myself. <gasps> oh, my God. And it was her and her eight-year-old daughter in the car. So. Leave oh, he, me alone, he yeah. says. So she, he took off because she had stopped. And she called 911. And they did end up finding him and getting him into a hospital. And I was like, good for you for stopping. Because I'm not sure that I would have. Not with your kid in the car. I mean, I wouldn't. I would have. Yeah, she just knew like he needed help. She's a really good person. She is better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good person, but not you so much. You are. At, not at night. No. In the dark. Who is a nice person at night? <laughs> I'm not. I'm like, I'm a freak. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Definitely. <laughs> All right, so back to my first story. So some reports said this guy was, like, working when he was driving. He was on his way home from work. But regardless, he went home, got his neighbor, and they arrived back, and they found Mary in the snowbank. The perpetrator had tried to, like, put some snow on her Mm. to try to, like, disguise that she was there. Yeah. So then the two went together to a nearby home and contacted the authorities. And I think besides for, like, needing backup to go, it was smart to have the neighbor so he didn't get accused of doing it. Also a really good point. I was like, you're a very smart man to have somebody else come with you because you would have been suspect number one. Yeah, and... Like, he's firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah. Like, he's he's being a good person. He's doing the right thing. He's also being safe because he doesn't want to come back. And then all of a sudden, he's a victim. Yeah. And then on top of that, he has another person to testify that he is not a part of this. Yes. Look at him go. We all need to be like this unnamed Be person. like the unnamed man. Yes. So, the authorities began their investigation... And at the scene, they were able to locate a hat that did not appear to be from Mary, which contained numerous hairs. They also attempted to take impressions of the tire tracks, but they were unable to do so because of the snow. Um, Mary's coat and purse were missing from the scene. And the witness said that the suspect that he saw was driving an orange or gold compact car. He described the suspect as 25 to 35 years old, 6 feet tall, 180 pounds, with medium-length auburn hair and a mustache. And he did sit down with a sketch artist, too, but the sketch looks like a kindergarten drawing. Yeah. They all kind of look the same from the 70s. They really do. Like, that. I don't even know how to describe it, but I have a picture in my head that would be, like, every single sketch. Yeah, it's like a shaggy kind of haircut, just like that, like, look. On your face. Yeah, like, no... No emotion. No emotion. There's no, like, defining anything. Just, yeah, like, just eyes, like, nose, and a mouth. And just, like, it. a regular old guy. Just whatever. Right. Like, it could be anybody. And then that's what happens. Everybody's right. like... I know that guy! That looks like this guy. Like, yeah, it looks like fucking everybody. Right. <laughs> so, the autopsy revealed that Mary had been stabbed 15 times in the back, neck, and abdomen with a thin bladed knife. She had a broken nose broken nose, and damage to her face from being struck with a heavy object. She had numerous defensive wounds and blood and skin under her fingernails showing up that she put up quite a fight. Mm. Like, she was not giving up. Yeah. Because I think 
when the witness first saw it that he thought it was two men fighting. Like, he didn't notice that it was a girl. Wow. So, so she, she was, was brawling out. Yep. And then in 2009, her body was exhumed so they could retrieve DNA. Mm-hmm. They've released that they have found two DNA profiles, but they won't release any additional information about this. The case is considered cold, but there have been multiple suspects over the years. After Mary's death, her apartment was searched, and authorities found a photograph of a man that matched the description of the killer, but they never figured out who the picture was of, and they said it could have just been somebody random she took a picture of for one of her art projects. Oh. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Kind of. It was weird. Yeah. Nobody knew who it was. That seemed weird to me. Yeah, like, this is just a random unknown man. Another unknown man? Yeah, they're all unknown men. It's just like a case full of unknown men. (laughs) Nobody has any fucking names in this story. (laughs) Everybody's nameless here. Like, these people believed in anonymity. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Most of the time you get, like, their name, address, the last three places they worked. Right. Their fucking social security. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we have seen social security numbers on some of the research documents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. I'm like, that shouldn't be there. <laughs> no. Like, no. So one of the suspects was a man who had been drafted to play for the Green Bay Packers, Randall Woodfield. He's been one of the main suspects from the beginning. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Woodfield, he's also known as the I-5 killer. Oh. He committed crimes from Washington to Oregon and down to California. Around 44 murders have been died, tied to Woodfield. It's believed that he was in this area at the time of Mary's murder, so he was driving through to go to Green Bay. Mm. So it's possible that he was in the area. Damn. And Mary fit the characteristics of his other victims. They were all young, petite, white women in their 20s. Woodfield is currently serving a 90-year prison sentence in connection with one murder, but he won't confess to any other murders. He won't talk to authorities at all. Okay, you look real suspect. He's like, I'm already doing 90 years. Fuck else you need to know. (laughs) That's true, too. (laughs) Well, I would be like, all right, I'm going to give you everything that you want. I'm not leaving here anyways well some killers like love the conversation oh yeah absolutely i was watching this really interesting documentary about sam little he oh i was he like from down south yeah and he was all over the country and he murdered like a hundred women yeah yep yeah he was crazy he was crazy but this i wish i could remember her name now this woman was researching him and he like got obsessed with their conversations and they talked on the phone every single day Ew. and he said they would talk on the phone that's like how they're finding out more about the crimes and he would talk to her every day and he said as long as he was living that's how her life would be so he died now so she doesn't have to talk to him anymore but the whole time from when she first went and met him until he died they were talking constantly oh i don't know if i would have the stomach for that wish i could remember her name or the name of the show it was really good i'm actually interested in that because her husband is from the band weezer (laughs) no yeah i love weezer and he is like yeah, this has been really interesting to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, because he's 
kind of involved in a in a way. Yeah, and he's like, you know, his wife is upstairs on the phone with the most infamous serial killer Ew. in America. I would have to be like, you can't fall in love with this guy. You need to put it on speaker for me because <laughs> this is not about to happen. He was in love with her. I bet. I mean, who else? Or what else does he have going on? Um, his paintings of the women. Ew. Yeah. Oh, it's Sam Little, the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. Is what it's called, I think? I think so. That's a long title. They should have chopped that up. <laughs> it's not good. We don't like the title. We no. should have workshopped that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. There's another. There's a TV program, uh, The 93 Victims of Samuel Little. I watched that one, too. <laughs> Did you? And then the Confronting a Serial Killer, and there's a woman in it. That could be the one. Yeah. I'm interested. I think I watched them all. Where did you watch that one? Stars or HBO Max? Oh, I have neither. If you have Prime, you have HBO Max. Really? Yeah. Oh, good to know. Yep. Okay, back to my other story. <laughs> I have a lot of stories yeah. today. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> so, Mary's case is unsolved. And it appears that Mary is not okay with this. Right. She's like, no, this is not okay. I did my job and fought as hard as I could. Now you all need to do something. I highly agree with her. So there have been numerous reports about hauntings in the area. That's how I stumbled upon this case. I was researching haunting cases, trying to get away from cold cases. Yeah, you just love them cold cases. They love me. (laughs) (laughs) I do not look for them. They just, like, pop up. Like, you need to help us. Yeah, oh, that's so sweet. I think you're there for them. They're here for you. <laughs> I hope they're not here. <laughs> like, yeah. in my office. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Okay, so let's talk about her hauntings. So, a ghost of a woman was seen along the river under the dam. And this is the Elk Lake Dam. So, this is close to the Eau Claire area. Okay, I was going to ask you. You said Elk River? Elk Lake. Lake. Yep. Elk Lake Dam. I don't know what the town is called. They said the town used to be called Amy, but they didn't say what it's called now. That's weird. So, it all seems very strange to me. It's kind of like, um... Oh. You know when towns are like too small and people just don't care what their name is? Yeah. There's a lot of Elk Elk Creek Lake, Elk Lake. There's a lot. Old yeah. Elk Lake. <laughs> Jesus. Do we even have elk in Wisconsin? I don't think so. No. Why are we so obsessed with elk? I don't know. Do we have moose? I don't know. I've <laughs> never seen one in the wild. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we have elks here, though. Okay. Anyways. Okay. Keep going. So, a vanishing lady has been spotted on the road by the bridge. There have been numerous stories about a vanishing hitchhiker. So, the reports say that a woman with long brown hair is seen walking down the road, but if you glance away and look back, she will disappear. Mm. She's like, I'm still stuck here. I've been trying to get to Chicago for 30 years. Damn, she never got there. No, she's still on the same street. So people have seen a shadow person running along the bank under the bridge. 
Um, one of my favorite stories is of two men that were fishing. They are also not named. Oh, see, this is just a nameless case. It is. So one man, bored from not catching anything. I totally relate. I get to that point quickly. (laughs) He was like, yeah, okay. He turns and looks behind him, and he sees a white, glowing woman. Mm. He tells his friend, like, hey, bro, there's a, like, glowing woman behind us. And his friend said, I know, but I'm not turning around to look at her. (laughs) (laughs) I like that he's not like, shut up. (laughs) No, he's like, yeah, I already know. Why do you think we're the only people here? (laughs) I already know. Just don't look. Just don't look at her. And so, yeah, I love the idea that the guy's like, yeah, I hang out with the ghost lady, but we do not make eye contact. No, we just don't talk about it. That's the whole rule. Like, she can sit here and watch us. Right. And there's also a story of a woman who lived near the river, Virginia Hendricks. She says that a young blonde woman would come and visit her every day in her garden and that she said her name is Mary. She said the young woman wore capri pants and a pink sweater. Many people have tried to discount this story because Virginia suffered from dementia and Mary was not wearing this outfit when she died. Mm. But I don't know about y'all, but I'm not going to haunt people in the same clothes I died in. I'm definitely getting an outfit change. Do you think you're allowed? I think you can manifest your appearance any way you want to. Hmm. Interesting. Because would you just be running around in, like, your bloody clothes? I think you would be in the same clothes as you were in. Like, think of the that one uh, lady that was... That haunts like the Mexico area. She is like in a in a white gown forever. Yeah, you know, I don't. I think that's it. That's like case closed. This is your final act. You have that hideous green sweater. Everybody told you to get rid of, (laughs) and that's the day that you die. And everybody told you, and you didn't want to listen. And now look, you're stuck with it forever. That would be terrible. So make sure that this is the point of the story, though. (laughs) This is the whole point. You got to make sure that you're always dressed appropriately. Yeah, something that you would want to wear for the rest of your life. Make that your final outfit. That's a lot to think about. Yeah, so you got to dress nice every day. Yeah. Or you can go the comfy route so that when your ghost is running around, you're always, like, comfortable. True. Because I would want to have on sneakers. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to do that in heels. No. I mean, they would make more noise for haunting. Ooh, I do like that. Remember the stiletto one? Yeah, I like stilettos on the floor. Yeah, I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of great advice today. (laughs) Yeah. So you think that Virginia saw somebody else named Mary haunting her? There could have been another Mary. There could have been. I guess that's a pretty common name. Yeah. I need to find a ghost that I can ask if they're stuck in their same outfit. I bet they they would just like... I'm going to contact a medium and ask if they know. <laughs> definitely do that. If I'd be there a, for if it. If you're listening and you're a medium and you can see spirits, can you tell us if they wear the same clothes? Yeah. I would like to know that as well. I've been thinking about that a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So... Coming here is, like, a common thing. Like, let's go see if this is haunted. 
Mm. So a lot of people have experienced different things. Some people say as they walk around the area, they can feel a presence walking with them the entire time they're there. Oh, see, that's the worst feeling for me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see you, like, see that it's a ghost I than just I, an unknown yes. energy yeah. next to you. Yeah. No, I'm not Breathing on your neck. Or, like, that feeling that you know you're being watched, but you're, like, absolutely alone. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying for me, too. Yeah. that That's the worst. Yeah. That's why I don't like the dark. Right. Yeah. It's no good. No. This is creepy, too. One guy said that he could see the impression of someone sitting beside him in the passenger seat of his car. Ugh. Like, he could see, like, the butt impression in, oh. the, in the leather seat. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that she's was She's still free. trying to get a fucking ride. Yeah, she's, like, trying to get out of there every which way she can. And she's stuck. I I appreciate her not giving up. Yeah, she's got some drive. <laughs> yeah, she really does. So, another woman said she went to the area with her boyfriend, and she refused to get out of the vehicle. She's like, you can go do this whole haunting thing, but I'm going to sit in the car because this is way too much for me. Really? Which I feel her. I like haunting, though. But yeah. this this is a little much. So, while her boyfriend was out exploring, she heard a horrible screaming sound that she describes as not sounding really human. Ooh. And she screamed for him to get back in the car. Oh, my God. And he ran back to the car, and he said he heard the screaming, <gasps> too. Oh. So, others have also reported hearing the screams, but describing them as faint. So... When I heard this story, or read this story, I was wondering, like, when she was murdered, none of the witness reports say anything about her screaming, but I would imagine she had to have been screaming, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if she, if she was putting up a fight like that, that comes with screaming. I definitely think so. So I believe that these people hear that her screaming still. Oh, my God. That's that's so bad. Yeah. But there's, like, message boards that I was... I don't even know how I got down that rabbit hole of message boards. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. This is what I was doing sick in bed. Yeah. (laughs) Because what else do you got going on? (laughs) Yeah. So that is the story of Mary haunting Elk Lake Dam. Do you want to go someday? Um, I'm not there for it. (laughs) I don't know if I have the stomach for it. But you know what? I might. Maybe. We'll, <laughs> Maybe. we'll circle back. We're going to table that one. It's way too cold right now anyways. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not leaving the warmth. No. No. It's way too cold. Good job. That Thank was a you. good story. Thank you. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. This is the story of Elizabeth Wagner Andropolis. Are you familiar? I don't think so. Okay. This happened in Little Shoot. Oh, wow. Yep. Close to home. And my sources are from W Bay, We Are Green Bay, Witchman Funeral Obituaries, and some of the postings by the family and friends of Elizabeth. So, Elizabeth Andropoulos, who also went by Lizzie, was born on September 29th, 1995 in Appleton to parents Jacob and Susan Andropoulos, and she also had a sister named Emily. 
Elizabeth enjoyed bowling and was involved in the youth league at Super Bowl, as well as her high school bowling team. I just like love when people are like really good at bowling because I suck. Me too. <laughs> I'm like really not good at any sport, but I admire bowling for some reason. That's interesting. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. <laughs> they just throw that ball really precisely, and I'm like, that's a good throw. I like that. Yeah. Um, in her spare time, she enjoyed sitting down to watch an episode of Days of Our Lives, Golden Girls, or Grey's Anatomy. She enjoyed being around or surrounded by her students at daycare. She loved spending time with her friends, and she had many people who cared about her. She was said to have a heart of gold and always offered a smile and a helping hand when needed. Elizabeth was described by her family as empathetic and selfless, and she had a big heart and cared about others. She attended and graduated from Appleton North uh, High School. She received an associate degree in early childhood from Rasmussen College. She then started a job as a childcare teacher at Creative Child Daycare in Appleton and was loved by all the kids. She was a beloved server at the Super Bowl as well. And on top of that, she was doing everything that she was doing. She was enrolled at the Fox Valley Technical College in August of 2020, looking forward to furthering her education. So she was just like pursuing her life in every which way and everybody loved her she had a lot of drive too yeah lots of drive um along the way she met a guy in 2014 and ended up marrying him on june 7 2019 she was head over heels for matthew wagner uh, happy with their relationship happy as a cat mom and happy with her life overall yeah so Matthew and Lizzie, um, which she went by, had been married for a little over a year at this point. They always say that the first two years of marriage are the hardest. There's a lot of adjusting, getting to know each other, and a lot more time being spent, which can make or break a newlywed couple. I didn't find that to be true for my relationship. No. Mm-mm. Like, we... I basically moved in with Jake... Um, maybe like a month into like knowing him. Really? So I've been living with him for maybe like five years. So that, that like was out of the way already. Yeah. But I could see that for people that do it like the traditional way of they date, they're still living apart and then like they get married and then that's when they move in. To me, that sounds horrifying, but a lot me of people too. do it that way. That's scary. How yeah. do you know if you can live with someone? That's exactly right. Like I couldn't, like if I know that you're a messy person, it's not going to work. Yeah. I would lose my mind. Yeah. Or just like you insist on watching something stupid every day or. Right. Yeah. Or like, like always needing to be with me yes. or like. Maybe not, or maybe not wanting to spend enough time at home. Like, that's another issue, too. Yeah. So, I mean, good for you if you have hobbies and you have friends and you go out and shit. But, like, if I never see you besides coming to bed, I'd be upset. Yeah, there's a balance. Yeah, for sure. So, newlywed couples are not excluded when it comes to marital problems either. 
The two seem to have been fighting over money and Matthew's drinking habits early on. And even though on her Facebook intro it stated, married my best friend, Matt, things were not always roses. One thing that Lizzie did not bring to light to anyone in her circle is that she and Matthew were showing signs of emotional and physical abuse towards each other behind closed doors. Do you think that when people like overemphasize the happiness of their relationship on social media, it's a warning sign? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, and I think that <clears throat> I actually have this conversation with Jake all the time where I'm like, they look so perfect and they're so happy and look at all the things that he or she does. And it's just like, I think the world of a relationship that I barely know anything about just like superficially see. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they've been like broken up. There's been cheating. There's been deception. There's been all this like craziness. And then he's like, see, I told you. (laughs) I'm always the opposite. Like if people post all the time about, oh my God, he does this and this and this. I was like, she has secrets. I'm convinced (laughs) that they're like happy as ever. And I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden I'm wrong. And I'm every single time it does not fail. I'm really cynical. Well, no, I think you see past the bullshit. (laughs) Which I need to, like, grow up. (laughs) You're young. Yeah. (laughs) I'll learn. You'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, many of their fights were documented through text, as many couples often take it to texting after or during fights. Mm -hmm. And one of the text messages, Elizabeth called out Matthew for threatening to shoot her during an argument where things turned physical. And in another message, asked him to not say, you want to die. So, shit was escalating more and more. Yeah, that's not okay. Like, not even in a joking way. No. I mean, I've been with, and I know people close to me have been with people that have threatened to, like, kill themselves if they were, like, going to leave or, like, something to that degree. And that's just not okay to put on anybody. That's so... uh, That's such a mental strain of, like, what... Yeah. I don't even have words, honestly. That's emotional abuse. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, never okay. If that's happening to you, then you need to get away. Mm -hmm. So, Lizzie even felt compelled at this point to Google search marriage counseling near her. She knew that they needed serious intervention. So, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen, though. The marriage did not last long in the worst possible way. At around 8.30 a.m. on Monday, September 21st, on 2020, officers with the Fox Valley Metro Police Department responded to a residence in the 900 block of West Elm Drive in Little Shoe for a welfare check. Upon arrival, officers found two adults dead. They looked upon the crime scene and identified that the two adults were Elizabeth Wagner. She was 24. And Matthew Wagner, he was 25. According to the investigating authorities, they were able to locate three fired shell casings inside the home with Matthew still holding the handgun. During the investigation, police sifted through dozens of text messages between them capturing arguments of their relationship and what was actually happening when people were not around to witness. 
For several weeks, the families on both sides were kept in the dark on what happened until detectives uncovered a possible cause that pointed to domestic violence. Uh, Lizzie's mother stated it was a very long process. It happened in September. We really didn't get resolution in, until early December because they were toying between the fact, was it intentional? Was it homicide? Was it an accident? When everything was said and done, the police investi- investigative file that labeled Elizabeth's death as murder and non-negligent manslaughter. Murder was for her. Mm-hmm. I don't know how manslaughter could be towards somebody, like, against themselves. Yeah. Which was weird. It was clear that an argument that ensued erupted into the physical abuse and triggered the rampage. Lizzie's mother commented, why didn't she tell me? Why didn't she tell any of us? She had a lot of friends. She had a lot of family that would have given support. I I find that a lot of these people that go through this don't really reach out until it's too late or it's like you're really deep into it. Yeah, I think people are ashamed. Yeah, I think so too. And Um, you also think the person's going to go back to normal, right? Because they were obviously happy and in love at one point. Yeah, like maybe this is just like a rough patch or like this isn't who they really are. Like I know better, you know? Like Yeah, like maybe if he stops drinking. Right, yeah. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Hmm. Well, have heard. I don't know any friends like that anymore. But when I was younger, yeah. it was pretty common. Men are assholes when they drink sometimes. And yeah. people make excuses for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. A funeral service for Matthew and Elizabeth, which was weird for me to think of that they were both held together. But I guess they didn't know at the time, right? Um, so it was held on Saturday, September 26, 2020. So yeah, I guess you're right. At Appleton Alliance Church. Although Matthew did shoot hit, and kill his wife, Elizabeth, and then turn the gun around and kill himself, many in the community still make posts about how they are both missed. I've seen a lot of it where they post about like Matthew being which I'm sure he was in his circle like a good guy and all this shit but yeah I would I would personally feel upset if I were to see like that and I was Elizabeth's family or friend or whatever yeah if that was if she was my friend I would be irate mm-hmm. I think about any of that yeah people being so like well, and I guess he's missed by his own family and friends, but that was right. a really horrific thing to do. It's hard. Suicide is hard, too. Suicide is hard. Without the murder. Yeah, you're right. It's There's so many emotions besides grief. You're right. So they're probably angry, too, but they probably just don't, like, publicize their anger. Right. Yeah. So Elizabeth's family, to this day, uh, stated they keep waiting for her to text for her text to come through or a phone call or for her to walk through the door and it doesn't happen. The the death and the manner of the death broke everyone's heart, which is like a double whammy, you know? So in October, 2021, uh, domestic violence awareness month, Elizabeth's family organized a fundraiser that entire month for the Appleton nonprofit Harbor house. 
they reached out to our family. They were super supportive. And I just really wanted to give back to them and say thank you for being part of our family and being supportive of Elizabeth and her story, which was stated by Amy Duffy, who is Elizabeth's cousin. Harbor House did respond with appreciation for their gesture. The first step for preventing domestic violence from occurring is awareness. The fact that a victim of this kind of tragedy, their family is using this to fuel support and services for other victims to prevent this from happening to others is just incredible. The Harbor House Executive Director Amanda Schroeder stated that. Amy Duffy has raised more than $1,000 for the Harbor House by selling bracelets on her Facebook page and and she's encouraging others to give as well. So on the bracelets, it does have, it's like dedicated for Elizabeth. Oh, that's nice. It's very cute. Um, I thought it was really supportive for obviously Elizabeth and the people that go through similar situations. Yeah, the Harbor House is a really good organization because they, besides like sheltering people and helping them, they have counseling. Mm-hmm. They have counseling for people that are abusers so they can oh i didn't know that try to not be abusers and they send like advocates to court so you don't have to go alone wow yeah they do a lot yeah that sounds really nice that Mm -hmm. that they're like a good part of the community yeah for sure uh domestic violence is more than one thing it does not ever have to be physical you know in lizzie's case it was verbal abuse emotional abuse all the way up until her death, um, which was stated by Amy. In one of Amy's posts to bring awareness to Elizabeth's case, she stated, I've spent so much time obsessing that I really haven't had time to grieve. The investigation has been completed and we we now know the motive was something we would have never imagined in our entire lives. She was simply killed because her significant other was done with her. What we thought was a beautiful marriage between two people was actually filled with verbal abuse and alcoholism. Now, I'm not here to bash the other party that decided to take Elizabeth's life and then his own afterwards, but I am here to say he left us very angry and broken for the rest of our lives. It's really unfortunate that she and others that post things along those lines of being hurt and being mad and having negative feelings towards Matthew has gotten a lot of backlash. Really? Yeah, I actually read some of the comments and it's mostly like friends and his family or like friends of both that are like, he was a good person and shit like that. And I'm like... He could Maybe. have been a good person every day up until that day, and that still doesn't excuse him murdering her. No. No. Uh, according to N Domestic Abuse Wisconsin, there were 52 domestic violence homicide victims in 2019, so that very year that she died. 83% of the perpetrators were men, and the majority of victims were killed by gun. In the Fox Valley, there are resources available and places to go to for help, like Golden House in Green Bay and Harbor House in Appleton. Um, the director of Harbor House, Amanda Schroeder, stated, We continue to see the increase of domestic violence homicides year over year. Harbor House, through September 30th, 2021, has served nearly 2,000 clients, 
which is double all of our 2020 numbers combined, which is astronomical. Yeah. It has a 68-bed shelter, offers a 24-7 support line, and provides other forms of assistance, such as financial advocacy. So, speaking for myself, as a landlord and as a woman, uh, and as a person in general, I think Harbor House is a great place in our community, as I stated before. Mm -hmm. They provide a portion of financial support for women in, in order to help them transition from the shelter to a home. Yeah. And... To have like a fresh start of their own. Yeah. I've dealt with them and they are nothing but there for the people that go into the Harbor House um, that just need somebody to be there for them. Yeah. I've seen them help people like get their licenses. <clears throat> really? So they can drive, like help them find a job. Like That's awesome. Yeah. Everything. Because a lot of abused women have no resources when right. they leave. They yeah. nothing. Like, everything is, like, in the dude's name or whoever, the partner's name. They, like, cut them off, like, financially. Yeah. Like, that, they maybe cut them off from their family before. Yeah. So, they're a really good resource. Uh, it truly is an amazing organization that we should all support by donating off of their list that they have on their website, donating financially or by volunteering. If you or anyone you know are in time of crisis, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Also, if you want to be involved in knowing or posting about Elizabeth, there is a Facebook page dedicated to her called Elizabeth Wagner Rem Remembrance. And that is a story about... Elizabeth Wagner, Andropolis. You did a great job. Thank you. It's very sad. Extremely. Uh, I'm actually, a lot of the people that I went to school with was friends with her. We're in, we were in the same grade. Oh, yeah. So I actually, like, seen the post of when she died and um, kind of followed this a long time. And I have never had, like, a platform to like talk about it yeah. so this is this is the time it's perfect for that mm -hmm. all right what do you do you got anything else i don't think so okay i think we did a really good job jumping back in i think so too <laughs> not too chaotic no <laughs> um so remember to uh, subscribe, follow on Instagram, on Facebook, all the sins of WI, as in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, you can rate us on... Apple. Apple only. Yeah, rate and review on Apple or iTunes. What, is they, what do they call it right now? Apple, Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcasts, I believe. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Okay. And um, give us your stories. Give us your life. Yeah, we want to hear some stories, some, like, episode ideas. Yeah. What do you guys want to hear about? You tell us. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be sent if you want to message us um, on Instagram or Facebook or email us at allistensofwiwisconsin at gmail.com. Yep. We will welcome it. Yes, we would love it. All right. All right. We love you guys. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.